It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin. Scott, not so much happening this week, although on Saturday we had a Korean card that was quite fun. Yeah, there's something about Korean boxing that is just fun. It's not been as great as it was back in the 70s and 80s, but recently there's been a bit of competition from the three or four organizations based over there, and and they did deliver this Saturday. What a fight between Hyun Ji Shin and Dong Kwan Lee. It was a... It was as good a fun booth was I think I've seen this year. It's just non-stop action, fantastic. I watched it. I liked the different styles that, that both guys had. I thought Dong Kwang Lee, for being a taller fighter, fought pretty well on the inside. Yeah, yeah. There's something about tall Koreans. There was um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he fought in China earlier in the year. And he was quite a tall, lanky guy, and he managed to hold his own on the inside as well. It's just. The Korean mentality is too exciting. It's to try and draw fans in. It's not to be skillful as such. And that makes for really entertaining TV-friendly fights. Good for the fans, not for their careers. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's another Korean chap on that card, Jong Han Cha, who is an 18-year-old. And he he exemplifies that same style. He's all about action, all about excitement. And his win over Yun Seong Kim... Chow was bloodied by the end of the first round. He got a bloodied nose. He was just eating Kim's jab and then out of nowhere he upped the ante in round two and battered Kim. It's so exciting to watch Korean fighters right now. Would you say out of everyone on this card, he might be the, the most bright or the one with the brightest future? Yeah, Chow, he's an 18-year-old or 19-year-old. He's the one who was singled out last year as the, the Korean to watch. Whether or not he goes on to big things is yet to be seen, but he is he's exciting. He's must watch. He's yeah, everything you don't wish for on a fighter. Also, something that kind of shocked me on this card was the two heavyweights that fought. Usually you don't see that, do you? Heavyweights on the Korean scene? Not really. Not really throughout Southeast Asia. But at the moment, um, this card was actually part of a rookie card put on by Boxing M which is KBM to some our uh, Korean boxing management group. And it's a part of a tournament. So those winners will actually face off later in the year. So that'll be Jungkook Kim and Sung Min Lee. So that's going to be another Korean heavyweight belt to take your fancy. And also there was a, a South Korea middleweight title fought for as well on the card. So this one had basically everything you could, could want, especially if uh, you were there at the venue um, at Citizen Hall in South Korea. Yeah, it had two title fights. It had exciting prospects. It had tournament bounce. It had a brutal KO by Seung Gang Lee against Ha Jun Kim, who was planted first first. It was, it was really exciting. Really, really good card. Of course, if you want to watch any of those bouts, that's AsianBoxing.info. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin. One of the prospects, and there's so many from Uzbekistan, Gyasov, he was able to also fight on the same night as that Korean card uh, in Tijuana. How would he do? He toyed with Edgar Porter. Uh, Porter is best known for fighting Takashi Miura for the WBC super, flyweight, uh, super featherweight title years ago. And he he looked washed. Gyasov did as he pleased. The perhaps one telling thing was Gyasov's trainer telling him that he needed to be more aggressive and he wasn't able to 
rely on what he could do. Um, the trainer really was on his ass at times. Strangely, this fight wasn't televised over Dizona, as far as I'm aware. Um, it wasn't televised here in the UK, but it has been uploaded by an Uzbek TV channel. So it is out there, it is able to be watched. Looking on BoxRec, it says he has a, a fight scheduled for April 26th at the Forum in Inglewood. Um, do you know who that possibly could be against? I have no idea who that's going to be against, but we'll get onto that card a little bit later because it's a really good-looking card. Yeah, definitely have to talk about that. But Uzbekistan, just prospect after prospect. Of course, he fought in the Olympics. They just have so much talent over there. Yeah, it's almost like they've just unleashed them all at once. It's kind of like you've seen them holding back and holding back and developing their amateur scene, and then whoosh, they all come through at the same time. And where do you start when you talk about them? There's so much talent. It's so rich. You have guys who want to be fast-tracked. I think that's probably the more exciting thing as well. I think in the future, we'll be talking about them as really a country that just continues to churn out boxers, and we'll look at them maybe like we look at the Ukraine, who, as of recent, has pushed out so many world champs. That that could be the future for the country Uzbekistan. Yeah, Ukraine is a perfect example. You're going to see more and more guys follow the Lomachenko and Usyk route of being pushed right out of the blocks. They're such good amateurs. You have guys like Fazladin, Gabe Nazarov, and uh, Israel Madrimov. Why wouldn't you rush them? Why would you hold them back? Murder and Akhmedaliev is on the verge of a world title fight. Even the heavyweights like Bakadir Jalalov, there's no reason for him not to be pushing on significantly this year. So the day after the Korean card and then uh, the fight with Gyosov and Tijuana, we saw Nonaka versus Hosokawa. Uh, that one kind of between old two old vets going for a couple big titles at the uh, middleweight division. Yeah, um, Charlie uh, Charlie Hosokawa, Shinobu Charlie Hosokawa won the titles last year in a Japanese fight of the year contender against um, Yasuyuki Akiyama, who he'd previously lost against. And uh, I can't tell you how good that 11 round fight was. It was all action. Hosokawa just wouldn't let Akiyama off the hook eventually break him down. So I expected that he'd again put the pressure on and beat the old man, beat 41-year-old Yuki Nonaka. Lots of people haven't seen Nonaka, so won't understand how good he actually is, but he is the boxer that you should let your kids watch. He just does everything so technically well, and he showed it by neutralizing Hosokawa, using his feet, dropping Hosokawa in the first round. He won quite clearly. There's only one round on it, and the scorecards are a couple of points, but it was... It was a sensational performance by Nonaka, who has been around and around and around. He turned pro in 99, um, and he's faced a who's who. He was um, in against Takeshi, Takashi Inoue last year, who we recently saw fight Yami Mungia. For me, he actually deserved the decision against Inoue. I thought he was fantastic in that fight as well. At 41, and this being his 20th year in professional fighting, is he going to just keep going, or when when is the time to call it quits for Nonaka? He said after the fight he still wants to get a world title fight. He's not thinking about his age. His manager is Hiroki Ayoka, um, Kazuto's uncle, himself a former T8 world champion, and he was amazed by the energy that Nonaka has. He himself retired at the age of 29, and he, yeah, he genuinely was raving about Nonaka's fitness and how good Nonaka is at such an age. 
it really is incredible to see Nonaka because I think Japanese fighters, at least the world champs, a lot of them, they get out at a, at a good age, whether that be in their late 20s, early 30s. But usually it's an anomaly to see someone his age still taking titles and wanting a world title shot. Yeah, he's the oldest Japanese male to win a title. Uh, there is actually a, a strange vibe in Japan right now with the older fighters because you've got Kenichi Horikawa and Norihito Tanaka, both in their mid 30s. It does seem like the veterans are, I wouldn't say showing the young kids, but they're definitely still around. Um, it's, it's interesting. I don't think Hosokawa or Nanaka are the best middleweight in Japan, even if we ignore Ayoto Murata. But at 41, there's only going to be one or two domestically that even put up any sort of fight against him. Yeah, that was really a, a neat story to see. I always enjoy when an old fighter does well, although I also wish them to probably get out of the sport. It's, it's not an old man's sport, and usually we see that ends not so well for an older fighter. Um, yesterday, we had a couple of great bouts as well. A, a, a mouth-watering card where we saw the first Japanese world title fight of the year between Masataka Tanaguchi and Vic Saludar. And then we complained about this last week. We complained about the TV coverage that Japan gets, and this wasn't shown on TV. It's not going to be shown until Thursday night, Friday morning, local time. Hugely disappointing. Just to make people aware, we are now going to spoil the result of that poll, um, which saw Saludar retain his title with a unanimous decision. Uh, Taniguchi had his moments, especially in the latter part of the middle round, so round seven, eight, nine. But he faded, he started slowly. Saladar was a clear and fair winner. Now, for Taniguchi, his career, it's been, you know, been a very good career so far. And his three losses are all to very, very capable guys. Konishi, Koura, and now uh, Saludar. What will be next for him? He wants back. There's no suggestion of retirement. He seemed to suggest that he'd learned a lot from that loss. He uh, He's looking positive. He is going to be coming again. There's no, no signs of him quitting or anything like that. You have to give him a lot of credit. I mean, he's gotten in there with some of the best at minimum weight. And um, I hope he, he gets another title shot for Vic. Oh, man, he uh, kind of sprung onto the scene last year uh, with the win over Yamanaka. Of course, before that, he also had a lot of impressive victories. What does the future look like for him? That looks like there'll be a mandatory title fight late in the year, but it's going to take a very good fight to dethrone him. I don't think he's the best in the division by any stretch of the imagination, but it's going to take a really, really good fight to dethrone him, and he's improving all the time. You've seen the improvement from when he lost to Kosai Tanaka back in 2015, and he has just developed so much the last couple of years. Minimum weight division is really interesting right now because you have a lot of capable champions at the world level. Do you see them unifying uh, titles anytime soon? Unfortunately not. I think we'd all love to see a knockout versus one hang unification bout or a Solidar versus Creole bout. Don't think any of them have got any intention to at the moment. Creole has suggested a fight with Wan Hing, which would unify the IBF and WBC titles. 
I don't think it draws the money. It would uh, Creel suggested top person in the US, but there's no money in the US for that fight. Juan Hang, also known as the GOAT, because uh he has he has the edge over Floyd. Everyone remember that. He does he also has the longest existing title reign of any male world champion. He just needs to retire while he is ahead. He's he's on top of the world. No one's gonna stop him. Also on this card, we saw a couple of great prospects. Um, let's start with Jinjiro Shigioka. Again, we we weren't able to see these fights, but judging from the outcome, it, it seems that he dominated. Yeah, he dropped Kumsuat, Gerti uh, Pong Kumsuat, three times in 95 seconds. He complained that the bout didn't go long enough. <laughs> the guy wants to shine. and it's He ran be... about four miles after the bout because he was like, I, I need to at least get some physical fitness in here. I need to warm up for my bout in April. Ah, He will be an eight-rounder in April. His opponent isn't yet known, but they were hunting a Japanese-ranked opponent. So fingers crossed that he does have that big step up. He looks like a bright, shining star that's going to burst onto the scene. He's already burst onto the scene, but he's going to continue to just move up. And there's probably not going to be the weight where he fights. He might climb a couple classes before it's all said and done. At least. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at super flyweight, possibly in bantamweight down the line. He's 19 now. He was such a good amateur. His amateur record is insane. It's 56 and 1. His one loss was when his father threw in the towel because he didn't want his, to fight his brother. So basically undefeated. Yeah, undefeated, sensational talent. When's, it, when's his brother coming up? His brother's staying amateur for now. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be competing at the Asian Championships or whatever competitions are on this year. But his brother is remaining amateur for now. We have the Inoue brothers. Pretty, sh- pretty soon it'll be the Shigeoka brothers. And the Tanaka brothers, um, Kosei Tanaka's brother, is Ryumi, is a fantastic amateur as well. A lot, a lot of talent, especially at the lower classes in Japan. Fumiya Fusei, another talented lower weight class guy at Bantamweight. He came out with a victory over Naota Mizutani. I think I have a man crush on Fusei. He's such a beautiful boxer to watch. He won the 2017 All Japan Bantamweight Rookie of the Year. Last year, he made his international debut, winning in Korea. He's now moved up to eight. He hit eight rounders. He's only 20, 21 now. So much talent. The one thing he's missing is power. When he develops power, physical strength, he's going to be a, a real one to watch. It's hard to say whether or not he's going to be a superstar, but there's so much skill with him. He's sort of, in a way, reflect the modern-day Hatsumi Hasegawa type. There isn't the power there, but there's the skills and the timing and the speed and the movement. I'm glad that you admitted that you had a man crush on him because he's an absolutely great boxer and there should be no shame. No shame at all. Uh, he's Sounds a lot of okay. fun to watch. Good looking kid. Can't blame him, can you? <laughs> no, not at all. And uh, Shu Utsuki, the, I guess, super feather lightweight. He knocked out Jerry Castroverde in uh the bout also on that card yeah he's probably the one that's most likely to resonate with american fans he is a bigger guy he's a stronger guy he fights as he said at super feather or lightweight he's probably the third or fourth best lightweight at the watanabe gym no shame when you have uh hironari mishiro there he's an exciting fighter he's a warrior his fight with yoji saito from last year was an 
absolute war. And this one with Jerry Castroverdi, also a very exciting fight. Castroverdi came to win. He didn't come to roll out to the unbeaten man. But it was eventually worn down with just less than a minute left. The Watanabe gym is absolutely stacked. Yeah, they've got so much talent coming through. They've got so much talent at the top. It's funny how we go back about three years and they had a bunch of guys all losing at the same time. They had Chiyama losing, Kono losing, several veterans who were Japanese title level losing. And since then, they've just wowed up and swooped up all the, uh, all the top amateur talent in Japan that wanted to turn professional. Ranking the top three gyms in Japan, uh, what would you say they would be? Uh, I know Ohashi has to be in there, Watanabe, Tekken possibly. Uh... What would you say are the top three gyms in Japan? It's definitely going to be Ohashi and Watanabe, one and two. Who's one, who's two? That's a fair debate. It's kind of hard to pick number three. You mentioned Taiken. There's also Kadoebi. There's Shinsai, perhaps. One of those three would probably be number three at the moment. Yeah, a lot of talent, a lot of good gyms in Japan. So that was the card that occurred yesterday. And again, Scott, when will the, the, this be airing in Japan? It'll be aired on Thursday night in Japan, Friday morning, 2.30 on Friday morning, local time, I believe. You know where to watch, obviously, AsianBoxing.info, if you can't watch it live. Some big news from the World Boxing Super Series, and it's about a legend in boxing, especially Asian boxing, Nonito Donaire, his fight with Zolani Tete, they finally have a date. And somehow it's before the new year versus uh, Rodriguez bout by about three weeks. How and why? I don't think we'll ever figure out the logic behind some of this Dewey BSS decision making, but it will be on the 27th of April in the US. Whereabouts? Nobody knows, but it'll be in the US. I've heard possibly Louisiana, because I know it's going to be the co-feature is uh, Progress Rougarou against... The Mad Bee, Relic. So is is that a possibility? I heard, I also heard maybe Los Angeles, but I know they were having trouble getting venues there. So I think maybe New Orleans, Louisiana area. There's lots of rumors. Um, I guess probably Louisiana would be a good bet given Prograv. But it's the WBSS. They'll probably stick in Alaska. That would be great, wouldn't it? It's, it wouldn't be a surprise the way this tournament's been going. It's such a shame. Fantastic fights, right through the tournament, fantastic fights. The only shows that made sense were the Yokohama card and the first Josh Taylor card. They made sense. They're in the right places. Arguably, Emmanuel Rodriguez versus just um, Andrew Maloney made sense. The rest have just been a mess. It is good that at least we know that it has a date. They're going to fight. This fight between Donaire and Tete, I know when it actually is going to happen. We'll have a little bit more on it, but who do you give the edge to? I'd go with Dinner. I know there's a lot of expectation on Tete, a lot of excitement about Tete, but let's be honest, his best wins are what? Paul Butler, 43-year-old Navias, and a novice in a lion. It's, it's not like he's been born the world away. He got that win over Sibonicia Gonya in 11 seconds, and since then he's put on two Terrible, terrible performances. Yeah, I, I must say in his first fight at the World Boxing Super Series, I was underwhelmed. He has a lot of skill. He's lanky. 
you would think, you know, he just fits the role of of being a destroyer at that weight. But again, when you match him up with a veteran, uh, probably future Hall of Famer in Donaire, it's uh, it, it's probably going to be hard for him. As you mentioned a destroyer. Donaire, is there a harder punch in the sport, pound for pound? You could argue in New Year, but even that's kind of uh, here, not there. Donaire's proven his power up at featherweight. He's, he hits self hard that he's gonna be a danger for anyone i'm looking forward to that and hopefully we get donaire versus the monster in the finals it would be good wouldn't it and they'd probably put it in australia <laughs> we'll have to go to the outback to sydney to go watch that i will i will for that <laughs> fight i will you know whatever decision they're gonna make wedge foot it's not gonna make any sense. it's not it's not, but I will risk getting bit by the most venomous snake known to man. I will go all the way to Australia to watch that fight. Another fight that uh, is coming up too, and, and this is a great card. Shreese gets Rungvasai versus Estrada 2. We have a date, and it's going to be co-featured with TJ Doheny and Daniel Ramon. It's good to see Shreese going up against a champion like Estrada. Can we just find out this fight actually comes one day before the Donaire fight? Oh my. I just realized that. That is, I mean, that's good because we get a lot of great boxing, but you're going to have to pick one to go to if you want to go to one or the other. Can't really get better than that. It's a fantastic weekend, and there are rumors that another show is going to be announced for that weekend as well. As for this particular bout, wow, the first one was amazing. Since then, both guys have built up a little bit more momentum with a couple of wins. It's hard to know what either man really has left, if we're being totally honest. They're two of the best fighters on the planet. Palm for palm, they're both in the top 20 at the very worst. What I love is that the smaller fighters are getting recognition, not only um, in their respective countries, but across the world. And that's something that we really uh, haven't always seen, um, but the exposure that they got on the Superfly and Superfly 2 cards were excellent, and now they're going to be on zone. Yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's fantastic that Wanga, um, Trisica, Erwin uh, Ankerhaas, and it's fantastic they're fighting in the US. It's fantastic they're getting that sort of exposure. It's just a shame in a way that their local fans, their home fans that had spotted them throughout the early stage of the career are not getting the chance to go and see them in the flesh very often. It's unlikely Sri Sakat will fight as a world champion in Thailand again. It's unlikely we'll see Yanka Haas in the Philippines as a champion again. It's great that they are getting the exposure. It's just a shame it's going to come to the local fans that the cost is there. Nietes again, probably not going to fight as a champion in the Philippines anytime soon. Either. I think that's a great way to look at it. And to be quite honest, uh, I probably never looked at it in that perspective because I'm selfish, right? I'm over here in America and wanting them to come over so I can get a, a glance at them. I think it's very important that you do fight in your own backyard at least a couple times when you're defending your, your belt. Yeah, you'd hope that you then stack your own undercard and get your prospects some exposure as well. Uh, I understand why they don't. I understand completely why Strada's last three fights have been, not last four or five fights have been in, in the US. I understand why Shreesuke was so happy to sign with the zone. I understand why these fighters aren't fighting at home. It's just a shame on the other end that the local fans are not getting their chance to be there for their heroes. Well, especially for a guy like Sreeskit, because he's in Thailand, 
a lot farther from America than for Estrada, who's south of the border. Yeah. Uh, but then again, at the age of 32, we can't, we can't blame him for grabbing the money and running. Most flyweights are about done. Super flyweights are about done at 30, 31, 32. He's perhaps only got two or three good fights left in him. Not left in him. He's had some absolute wars throughout his career. You can't criticize the guy for doing what's best for him. Especially when it seems that the the guys at the lower fights or lower weights, they're probably not going to make a lot of money anyway. Yes, uh, I'm glad that at least they're getting somewhat of a payday here. Yeah, I, I wouldn't guess the purses for this one. But they're both probably going to get one of, the, one of the highest purses. For Shvizuka, it's probably not going to be much different to what he got against Gonzalez or got from Estrada in the first bout. That's exciting. I, I'm ready for that one. Um, Scott, the Asian Boxing Podcast, any other big news uh, to give to the fans? No big news as such, but there is a couple of interesting cards coming this weekend. Um, on Saturday in Tokyo, Kazuto Takisako defends his Japanese middleweight title against Shuji Kato. Takisako is possibly the only fighter at Japanese level who... I'd fancy against Yuki Nonaka. Um, what a fight that would be. That would be, to unify all three titles, that would be a really good fight. The same card has on Jin Minamide, um, Masahiro Suzuki, and somebody else, Boxrex's got the wrong name on the show, who's fighting General, General Dapidran. Um, I think it's Takahashi who's fighting Dapidran. And he's another fantastic prospect. That same card has Kenji Ono on it. Ono's name won't be somebody who anybody recognizes, but if they can hunt down his fight with Jun Takigawa, enjoy it. That's it's possibly one of the best fights of 2016. If I remember correctly, like five knockdowns in an eight-round fight. On Sunday in Korea, we'll see Yejun Kim fight Anoka Fangwai. I probably pronounced that wrong, but Yejun Kim is another of the rising Korean hopefuls. He's exciting. He's talented. He's got the brilliant, brilliant nickname of Paki Weather. No, he doesn't. Oh, my. I, I really <laughs> want to watch him now just because of his name. He's actually really talented. Uh, Steve Bantamweight, his problem has at times been a lack of behavior. He missed two years out of his career recently after scoring brilliant wins over the likes of Yuki Strong, Kobayashi, Yoshihiro Sumi, and Virgil Bouton. He returned last year with a win over Waldo Sabu, and hopefully, fingers crossed, he can make the most of his talent because he's a fantastic youngster. A lot to get to, even though nothing huge, there's still going to be a lot on the docket for uh, this upcoming week when it comes to Asian boxing. Yeah, yeah, and there's a show we're expecting to see announced shortly for April 27th, which should be headlined by Ria Kanishi against Felix Alvarado. So that's going to come on the same day as the Donair vs. Tete belt, if it's announced as we're expecting. Ooh, which one do we watch? How do we choose? Well, that one will obviously be earlier in the day for us to watch before uh, we get to Donair. Yeah, that's expected to be in Hyoga, uh, Hyogo, sorry, and Kasumi Sieki, the female 3-0 um, prospect contender, is also expected to be fighting for a world title on that card. So definitely going to be a lot here, and, and Scott, we're about to be hit with a wave of 
great fights, great bouts in the upcoming months. If you look at the schedule of April and May, it's just stacking up. It's going to be hard to find a weekend where we don't have to go along with one of these matches packed. It's got Wang Heng Fukuhara 2 at the end of the month. It's got uh, world title eliminators like Das Marina versus Demi Silo. It's got Tanaka versus Taguchi. Kodratilla versus Obara. A recently announced bout with Wulan Tolahatsi and Ryota Yamauchi. And then you got April with, where do we start? Shusuke Estrada, Donair Tete, uh, Mori vs. Pumpik 2, Yoshino vs. Sumiyoshi. There's so much action coming off of that. It's going to be non-stop. Yeah, we've had a little bit of a lull here in, in this month, especially February. But uh, right when March and, and April and May hit, oh, it's going to be it's going to be a, a lot of action coming your way. It's uh, the Asian Boxing Podcast, asianboxing.info. Scott and Colin, we want to thank you for always supporting and listening and reading the articles, watching the videos. Continue to support us. Of course, the Twitter. You can find it at Asian Boxing. We try to keep it simple. Simple's better, isn't it, Scott? Simple always works better. Especially for myself. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, so it's always, uh, always better to keep things simple. But again, Asian Boxing Podcast, we will talk to you next week. It's been the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin.